oh, let's get this grim <laughs> experience up and running. As, as my mate would always say in a situation like this, let's get this shit over with. Let's get this shit over and done with. Oh, my God. Brace yourselves, boys. Right. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Jackass, the Swansea City podcast. I am Gittos Whelan and with me tonight we have Steve Carroll and Matt Barocco. Evening, boys. Evening. Uh, the last podcast we recorded was uh, just before the uh, first game of the season. It was full of optimism and positivity, hope for the new campaign. I, I don't want to preempt anything, but I think tonight's is going to be a little bit different because we've got a draw at Rotherham to look back at, a 3-0 home hammering at the hands of Blackpool and a uh, Carabao Cup first round exit on penalties to League One Oxford. We've got a lot to get through. Let's go chronologically with Rotherham to begin with. Steve, you were up there. We were pretty confident going into this game. Rotherham had had a pretty torrid summer. We were pretty confident that the Swans would be in a good place going into it. One all probably wasn't the scoreline that we were expecting to get from this game beforehand. Um, no, I think that's fair. I mean, we were a bit disappointed uh, not to win the game. I mean, there, there were positives. I thought, you know, we, we didn't play particularly badly. But but at the same time, I, I don't think it, we did dominate the game in terms of possession. But I don't think we asked enough questions um, in terms of creating chances and, and that type of thing. So I think that was a bit frustrating, uh, really. And then I think the other problem is sometimes you're looking at the bench and thinking, can they make a difference? And there wasn't a great deal of options on this. It did show that we are still a little bit short in terms of options in certain positions. So it was it was a frustrating one, really. Um, and I mean, there's the one standout moment, isn't there, where... I think we've already seen what I would describe as the miss of the season. And obviously, if that goes in, we do win the game. But it didn't. So, yeah, um, a frustrating one. Not, not a terrible point, I, I don't think. But, yeah, I wouldn't say one that I was jumping for joy with uh, on the way home. No, absolutely not. We'll get to the miss in a bit. But let's start off, Matt, with the, uh, the, the biggest positive of the day. And that was Harry Darling opening his account for the Swans. He scored, I think, seven goals for the MK Dons last season. This one, probably not the kind of goal that we were expecting to see from him this season. No, but it was a cracker, wasn't it? And I think when they when those shots go in, you live in that moment and you know you think that's incredible and stuff. There's a wider discussion to be had. And I think it might have been you that put it out. Or, um, it, was, it was certainly uh, one of the one of the popular uh, Twitter accounts to put it out about the fact that we seem to have to score a lot of these worldies to get past teams. And that was another one. This was, you know, fully 30 yards. Um, and it was a cracker, you know, on his debut as well. And he said after the game he hadn't scored a better one in his career. So I'm not surprised, really, the way that one um, fizzed in. But there's... You know, as, as Steve was saying, it was a bit of a frustration that um, we didn't hurt them enough. Um, Rotherham could have conceivably got three, probably. Um, Ogben was uh, a massive uh, thorn in our side all, all game. He was uh, he was a fantastic player, and um, 
we didn't deal with him. Uh, we we showed the same defensive frailties as last season, really. And um, and I think out of the two keepers, ours was busier. Um, but it does, as Steve say, rest on the biggest chance that didn't go in in the game, and that was ours for Obafemi, which you know we'll come to in a bit. But um, Darling will be delighted with that strike and to get off the mark because, uh, as you say, he, he grabbed a few last season, so he's getting a bit of a name for himself already. Yeah, um, well, from what we've seen so far of Darling, uh, it, it may be a good thing that he's offering an attacking threat because uh, defensively it doesn't seem so far at least to have uh, sorted out the problems of last season. Let's get on to the mess. Uh, Steve, I thought nothing would beat Shefty Coochie's best against Barnsley. Uh, a couple of well many seasons ago now uh, for the worst miss from a Swansea player but I think Obafemi beats it what about you uh it's a, a tricky one really I mean to compare it with the coachy one I, I think the coachy one was astonishing because from what I remember the goalkeeper was actually on the floor so he literally had all day to do what he wanted to do whereas obviously the Obafemi one was very much a, well the keeper's on the, the picture it's a cross in and all you've got to do is make a reasonable contact, should we say, and it, it goes in. I mean, well, I, obviously I was behind that goal and I could not believe it. You just think, what are you doing? You have to score. I mean, 99 times out of 100, he would have, wouldn't he? But obviously on this one occasion, he's cocked it up and you know, effectively it has, it's cost us two points, isn't it? So, in the soccer, there's no other way of looking at it. They happen from time to time. Um, it's quite funny that I've, we've seen saw that one week, and I think the worst own goal I'd ever seen was the Ashley Williams one at Derby, and obviously at Charlton we saw the Harry Darling one, which was very similar to that. So yeah, we've seen two cockups already. Really. Luckily, only one in a, a competitive game. But look, these it does happen from time to time. You do see things that you can't really explain, and um, you know I think the frustrating thing was that it got to overfemi afterwards. I don't think he was quite the same. He was he seemed to be trying too hard almost to make up for it, and. I think what really was needed maybe was for him to come off and you know the managers to go look at it's one of those things that happens not your day we'll get someone else on just on this occasion and we'll go again next week but the options weren't really there I think that's the problem I mean I don't think anyone really backs Liam Cullen as a, a real uh, a real option for us to to, to do a lot obviously he did score Oxford which we'll come on to later but I mean I don't think anyone's backing him in that situation to probably come on and get the winner so it's a difficult one. Isn't it? I think we it just reinforces in some ways that we we need more options. Yeah, um, uh, just unfortunate, really. We'd bigged up Michael Obafemi in pre-season. We thought this was going to be a really big campaign for him. It got off the worst possible start. And if you look at his stats for this season, Obafemi still hasn't had a shot yet after two league matches. That doesn't actually tell you the whole story. Um, but I'm not sure if he'd want really that one to be registered as a shot. He'd prefer if that was just erased from the records altogether. Matt, just looking at the highlights, looking at the stats to go with it, the big story is the Swans had a lot of um, possession. Like Steve said, dominated the ball really. But when you look at the quality of chances that were created by both teams, pretty even, really, I would say, looking at looking back at the highlights in terms of the quality on the whole. And that 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 to me is an echo of of what we saw last season, where we would have many on many, many occasions, 60, 70 percent possession. But what that wouldn't really show in the shot counter that wouldn't really show in in the the xg tables you know because 
actually it has still been a very even game. Well, a much more even game than the possession stats would suggest. Yeah, absolutely. I I actually wrote a piece for Steve's fanzine um, that didn't quite make it in time to um, to to make the print, which was unfortunate because um, it it expressed quite a few of my opinions on on the matter. I think I think me and Russell Martin have got slightly different views on dominating games. Ultimately, um, for me, you don't dominate a game by just you know, passing it around. I mean, the opposition will let you do that. Steve, will, uh, as, as Steve knows, we'll talk about Blackburn in a bit and how how, how much of a, a false equivalency it is to say that passing the ball and having more possession equals dominating a football game because Blackburn, but we'll come on to Blackburn. We'll come on to Blackburn later. We're going to talk about Rotherham. It wasn't um, the dominance that you'd expect in terms of they weren't, pegged back they weren't kind of like defending for their lives they weren't throwing bodies in the way um and and teams will i hesitate to say suss this out but they were they've they're happy to let us have the ball in certain areas and that will rack up it look great you know if you're stat padding it looks great when your midfielder's got 240 passes um your team has racked up you know 800 in a game and, and you're suddenly looking at it going, oh, my God, this is the real deal. Reality, it's dominating games for me, is the aggression in which you're able to play football as well. Um, and you've got to be able to take the game to the opposition. You've got to pen them back. You've got to try and find the gaps in, their, in, in between the lines and really get at them and punish them. No, you can't always score. Oberfemi's chance you know, is a perfect example that sometimes it just doesn't work. It doesn't go in. But you really have to be looking to have possession with a purpose. And I think that is where our definitions of domination kind of differ. Because for me, our best managers, the Martinez, the Loudrops, the, Ro- the Rogers, etc., those ones, when we had the ball, we managed to use it. We managed to get our teams. We, we, we attacked, not just in numbers, but with purpose. And that ball zipped quickly up the pitch, never long, but quickly in between the lines, runners movement etc you know it's all quite slow quite quite easy in front of the opposition and never in in behind them but uh i think to to be able to take that to the next level it really needs to be more aggressive it needs to be more um in the face of the opposition trying to get at them get behind them and that's where swansea city's identity over the last 20 years or so has been it's been uh exciting attacking football and i think maybe that's where you know, we we differ because for me, we didn't dominate Rotherham in anything other than the stat and part and and other than the the stats really the passes and possession which, you know, you you can't you can't you have to watch games really in in terms to get a feel of what was going on and I don't really think we dominated any game this season so far. Well, on that note, let's move on to the first home game of the season. Always a, a big occasion. You get a big crowd out. The sun was out. Everything was set to be a beautiful day. And it turned into a bit of a nightmare, didn't it, Steve? Yeah, it uh, it did, really. Um, it was quite boring. I think that was my, my major thoughts on like the first half, especially. I mean, just like thinking we're not really doing a lot here. There was a, a long-range shot, I think, from possibly Norton. And then there was some great skill from Perot, um, which in, ended with a shot, but it went wide. I mean, there was there was one incident where I think we, we could have scored, where 
I think it was Manning put a good ball across the box and, and Latte Bouvier mm. was at the back post and he, he didn't come in quick enough. I mean, if that if he had been, that would have, you know, that probably would have, well, it would have put us 1-0 up, wouldn't it? So it's a different game if that happens. And it sort of shows the wing-back issue that we've got that I think we need to have a real discussion on later, I would say. Um, but, I mean, we, we just didn't ask enough questions. Like Matt was saying earlier, really, we, you know, there was possession, but there was... You know, when we're too easy to play against, I think. I mean, when we come on to the second half, I mean, it'll never be an easier half for Blackburn all season. I think with sideways passing and not asking questions, boring. That's that's the underlying truth of it. I was bored. And this is the opening day, pretty much. Well, the first home game, especially. And we don't want to be bored on the first game. I mean, it was, it was really frustrating. And, you know, I think a lot of people uh, felt the same, really, because... There just wasn't a great deal to shout about. Gosh, it's so disappointing, isn't it? Because you just think it's such a missed opportunity. A lot of people are there turning up excited to see football back again. And so many of those people have just been put off and put in the in in, in a negative mindset for the for the for the upcoming games because of because it was so bad. Uh, Matt, I'm gonna allow you to repeat your point about possession here because I've got the stats in front of me. Swansea had 71% uh, of the ball compared to Blackburn's 29. We obviously know that we lost by three goals to nil, but Blackburn with 29% of the possession had five shots in the entire match. The Swans had just eight shots. Eight shots from 71% possession over a 90-minute period. That's um, that's pretty astonishing for me, if I'm being honest, that you can take fewer than one shot every 10 minutes, in essence. And you have and you have the ball seven and a half, eight out of every 10 minutes. You know, if you've got so much of it, you have to be doing stuff with it. I get I get it completely. I think it I think it tells its own story. Um, you saw the little jibes and um, poking fun that the Blackburn social media team have done since because the Swans probably, in hindsight, was a bad decision to release that training video of Russell Martin talking about how we're going to pass Blackburn to death and how we're going to, um, in the end, they're not going to be able to run anymore. So we, we had to take that on the chin then on Sunday because um, they've absolutely schooled us. They've embarrassed us. Um, and you have to hold your hands up and, and just say, that they came, knew exactly what to expect from us and let us do what every team is now going to do. And, it, you know, this is going to be the simplest bit of research ever, which is Swansea will have the ball, let them have it. Don't worry about, you know, let Grimes or Allen or, or whoever may have the ball, let them have it in those areas. Stay strong, stay resolute, keep your shape, because when you win it back, Three passes, and Rotherham were a prime example of this with Ogben. Three passes, and you can get a shot away in a good position because we're so open on the counter. We have been since Russell Martin arrived, um, and it hasn't improved. And when you teams play in between us, we are all over the shop. We are just so slow to get back into position, and that's the same when we win the ball as well. We don't counter at teams. We don't run at teams. So as soon as we win the ball they can get back into position, amble back, because we're in no rush to get at them. So um, it is so easy to to kind of write how to play against the Swansea City team at the moment, which is the most disappointing, because um, we framed ourselves on being that impossible conundrum where you could say 
and a, a, a Rogers and a Loudrop team or whatever. You could say that you know how Swans are going to play, but you just can't stop them from from doing it and being effective. At the moment, we're we're completely blunt. Um, or Perot and Obafemi are peripheral figures on the pitch because they're so little zip. By the time the ball gets to them, they're, they're facing five defenders front on because there's just no um, there's no rush in getting the ball up there and and giving them the support and space they need to do their business. So you're right. In in this instance, the stats give you a little bit of an an inkling of how it might not all be about how much possession you have in a football game. Um, you know, I I I despaired on Saturday. I just thought this is uh, this is the lowest. I think, yeah, I, I think it's the lowest it's been under Martin when you take the full picture into account. I think I think the main thing is last year we've spoken about this. Martin had a lot of patience and a lot of understanding because he was dealt a, a tough hand, but we knew there was going to be more pressure on him this season because the expectations were great. He'd had a pre-season. He'd had uh, more players brought in to, to suit this system. And, um, you know, the, the, the excuses were gone, really. So we, at the very least, expected to see some improvements. But what concerned me most, Steve, from the Blackburn game, look, I, I wasn't there, thank God. I was, <laughs> I was stuck down in Tembe enjoying myself in the sunshine. I was regretting that um, at the start of the day, wishing I was at the Liberty. Um, by five o'clock, I was definitely glad that uh, I was down in Pembrokeshire, not on the banks of the Tower. Um, but, I mean, just looking back at the goals that we've conceded, it's really frustrating, quite concerning to me, how familiar it all is. Um, mistakes, leaving ourselves very, very open at the back despite dominating possession, just making it easy for the opposition in the way that Matt was saying there. I mean, I've seen some people give Blackburn credit for their tactics. I don't want to sound harsh on Blackburn, but but I, I'm I'm not sure how much credit they should really get because tactically it's the easiest game they'll get all season teams who come to play against the swans know exactly how to play against us the blueprint has been known for quite some time you sit deep and you remain organized and you know that we're going to give you chances um if 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 you break then and that's what happened with with blackburn really they soaked up a lot of pressure didn't get stretched in any way didn't allow themselves to get stretched and then um took their chances when um when, when we handed them to them yeah, I mean, what annoyed me was, it is, don't get me wrong, it, it can be tough to play against a team that does completely sit in their own half and, and not really try to do much. And obviously, we're trying to get a goal. But I didn't see many risks taken. I think that's what frustrated me. We weren't trying to really play behind them. There was a lot of safe passes that were offering nothing. And then there were times when we were going in the air, like crossing into the box. And I'm thinking, we don't have the height. So why are you doing this? If we're going to cross, it has to go on the floor. So it just but the, but the answer but the answer to that is that that, that we're not getting it we're, it's not working in any other way is it that's why we're taking so many long range shots as well maybe not in this yeah. game but but definitely against Rotherham there were there were a lot of shots from outside the box and I know one of them went in but I, this is a pattern we saw from last season I I read the other day that the Swans had a higher proportion of shots from outside the box than any other team in the division. Yeah. It's great that we've got players like Piru and now Darling who can strike a ball really well from outside the box. But it, it's also a sign of desperation because we're not able to uh, tr- to 
translate that possession into real good clear-cut chances in the box where players like Piru and Obafemi are most likely to take them. Yeah, I mean, I've always said goals from outside the box are always a bit of a bonus, aren't they? You don't, they're not what you're expecting. Sometimes you'll, you'll take a pot shot and, and it'll go in, but you can't rely on that, as you say, and you need to uh, rely far more on you know, managing to work the ball in there and, and then finishing off moves. So that obviously seems to be a weakness for it, doesn't it? I mean, the only thing I, I will say about the whole thing is I do think we're unlucky to lose 3 0. Because, like you say, Blackburn did only have five shots. To be fair, they were clinical when they then did get their chances. So like we, we are ourselves to blame with that. But I, you know, I don't think it was like a 3 0 game. I will say that much. But giving the ball away softly and then, like I said, they're, they're then playing like the risky pass that we are not very good at. And we got punished for it, didn't we? On, on three occasions. So. Yeah, we, you sort of reap what you sow in, in some ways, even if I do, do think the sc- overall scoreline was was a bit harsh. But we just weren't good enough. That's, that's the truth of it. And we came up against a team that were good in front of goal when they did get their chances. And they hurt us. And the scoreline looks harsher than what the, probably the reality of the game was. But like I say, we're, we're still that soft touch, aren't we? And, and I think the problem is now, like I say, the manager has had an opportunity to bring some more players in. I do think we still need more, and he still hasn't been backed probably in the way that he should have been. But at the same time, you can't keep making excuses for the same mistakes. I think that's what is frustrating now. We're just thinking, well, you have had that pre-season, you have had those players, and the result was still similar. And, you know, I think there's one or two doubts creeping in now. That's the problem. And, you know, um, I suppose to, uh, the game at Oxford probably didn't help massively either, but and you've got to treat those ones in more isolation, I think. But, yeah, you, you just get the feeling now we, we could really do with a win from somewhere just to sort of lift the gloom and hopefully we'll be off and running. Well, let's get on to discussing the manager then, because I'll be honest, Matt, I've been surprised by the reaction online. I've been surprised by how quickly it has taken some people to go from um, being kind of uh, not entirely impressed with Martin to being full-blown Martin out. And I've been surprised, probably more surprised, by the number of people who were quite positive about the whole project, um, for the most part, who are now coming out and saying, actually, I'm not so sure anymore. And I've got my doubts and very, very much concerned, if I'm being honest. They may not be saying that they want Martin out, but they, they certainly are concerned and not entirely sure about where the th- where the whole project is going um uh, yeah I'm, I'm just really shocked that it's it's happened so quickly but i guess that says a lot about the performances particularly that one against blackburn yeah it does um there is a part of me that thinks if you if you looked at it say say i i didn't follow the swans or we were talking about a different team then i would look at it objectively and say well he's got to have the first you know the 10 games right we'd say that but then you say to these people we've got to watch 95 minutes of each of these games with a you know five or six day break in between each one so you get to digest them talk about them and this is where I think some people are still being a little bit naive saying judge him after 10 15 games because if you fast forward and then you were to look back on those results and say right I'm going to make my assessment now then fair enough but you have to live these games. So having a, 
I didn't I wasn't at Oxford and as a result of the Carabao rules I wasn't able to see the full picture just following it from from Twitter I'll say that now but from the two games I have seen um, it's hard to watch and so you have to imagine um, it's fair to say okay we'll wait and we'll see how he is after 10-15 games but in the meantime say we lose 3-0 to Blackpool without having a meaningful opportunity on Saturday and then Millwall and Luton and we lose them when are people in between those games going to go right this is about it's a bit of a struggle now and then you know after the Millwall game then well maybe now we aren't seeing any improvement so I mean that is as early as what four or five games into the season it's already starting to turn and I think when that happens it's very difficult to completely win back a fan base and this this is my concern um when people turn it's all right you can put a run together and you can um silence the doubters but they're almost waiting in the background then just just because as soon as a bit of a blip comes then you've lost the support previously it gets vicious a lot quicker i find once the managers and lost that initial shine um which is my concern because if we do lose the next two or three games that pressure is going to build and build and he'll face questions from the media he face questions from all corners in the stadium and whatnot and traveling fans um so in my opinion and this is probably a controversial one it's a little bit naive to say we'll see where he is after 15 games because if after four five six seven eight it's going the same way as the first two or three it's not going to be fun and i don't think people are going to um are gonna last that long if i'm if i'm honest it's it has it has turned quickly but it was because we were told last season trust the process give me a pre-season and i'll prove to you that this is the way to go we trust the process we give it a pre-season and it's really not changed if i'm honest the same mistakes are happening and um I actually haven't heard him say trust the process this season yet, which might be telling in itself. But, it, it you know, we're looking to see what has happened and what they've been working on all through the summer. And um, anyone who wants to suggest what it is, they can they can message us because I'm not really sure what, what we've done, what we've worked on, really. Steve, are you still trusting the process? Um, I'm, I'm definitely not at the Martin out point. I have got some doubts about it now, though. I think I think the big thing for me is... Yeah, we, we desperately need wing-backs. Um, I think if we had two flyers at wing-back, it would make a hell of a difference. We'd be such a better team. And I think then we'd start to be more successful. The problem I've got now is I can't... Like, I will criticise the owners and what's going on behind the scenes because we've sold downs and all they've done since is bring in Joe Allen, a direct replacement on a free transfer. Now, I am not saying we should be going mad tra- uh, transfer-wise here because... I understand that most of that money needs to cover our losses. But at the same time, loans and frees are available. There is no excuse for not bringing anybody in yet in those positions. We're crying out for it. But Martin is not playing his hand as well as he should be. He was given one wing back in the summer, Sorinola. He was on the bench the other day and he played a centre-half and right wing back in Lata Baudier. Now, I have reached the point where if Lata Baudier plays there, I'm not going to criticise him but I am going to criticise the manager. So that is the problem, I think. He is not helping himself. I don't know why he's doing it. There's no excuse for it anymore. He was doing it last season when we were a bit short. Okay, fine. But now he's in a position where he can play man in one side and Soren over the other. Now, 
I know another one does need to come in, at least. But at least play the cards that you've got better than you are at the moment. Now, Latibodia should never, ever play there again unless we've got some sort of injury crisis. Or why can't you change the formation? Maybe we could play a midfield diamond or something, if you know what I mean. But I think that is what's annoying me with it. It feels like he's going to play this formation no matter what. And even now, he's been given a player that will help him in that position. He benched him and played somebody else there out of position, which he's uh, did a lot of last season. And I, I'm just not prepared to accept that anymore because I think he's arguably he's, he's hurting himself there. And, you know, I, I can't accept him. Then to the, the board are within their rights, I think, to say, look, yeah, OK, you want another wing back, but we give you one and you're not picking him, you're picking somebody else. So I think that's where it falls down slightly. He... On Saturday, Saul Renola needs to play at right wing back and Manon needs to play left wing back. If I see in the Manchester pub on Saturday at two o'clock that Lata Baudier is playing, I'm immediately going to be frustrated and I'm going to be, <laughs> what's the manager, uh, why is he doing this again? Because there's no excuse for it anymore. Yeah, I mean, just a couple of stats here to explain the situation, really. Only two teams have faced fewer shots than Swansea so far this season but only Bristol City have conceded more goals, which tells you basically what we were talking about with Blackburn, really. Teams, we we can dominate the ball all we like, but when we do give it away, we are just so easy to attack against and we we are so open at the back that, you know, teams are going to have good chances against us. And that's something that we saw last season. Um, Swan's also bottom of the table when it comes to expected goals, not bottom of the XG table, which... Is a different thing which takes into account expected goals against but in terms of our creation so far this season and I know it's it's very early and there are things such as the Oberfemi shot against Rotherham which wouldn't have counted as a shot in XG but it's still quite um, quite jarring really to see the Swans bottom uh, when it comes to chance creation when we are top when it comes to possession you know we have more of the ball you'd think we'd have theoretically if the system works you know more chance to create chances but you know the the chances we are creating are few and far between and they're quite low quality for the most part um i mean, I mean can you see matt the system being turned around to work is this a fundamental flaw with the system that we're trying to play is it a problem with the way martin is trying to play the system is it the players what what's responsible for performances like the one against Blackburn? I don't, I don't think it's any one thing, to be honest with you. Um, Russell Martin's stubborn. I think that's fair comment. He's, he's stubborn. He's, like Steve said, he's, he's picking Latibotier in that position um, and claiming he's got nothing else. Now, I don't watch them training every day, but if Latibotier is proving more of a wing-back than the other ones that we actually have in the squad, then they should be taken to court for fraud or something or, you know, Trade Descriptions Act because Latibodier is the least wing-back wing-back I think I've ever seen. He, he just should not be playing it. And I echo Steve's sentiments. Um, and I got a bit of stick off of mates for saying this a, a, quite a while ago, actually. It's not Latibodier's fault. You may hate him because of how his performances are, but he's never, never been a wing-back. He's a centre-half, albeit quite short as a centre-half. But he shouldn't be playing there. He's been asked to do a job which is not his. He's not in you know his 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 skill set. So you know we need to lay off blaming him. It's 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 not him who's picking himself. At the end of the day, um, 
so there's lots of things. There's the stubbornness from the manager. There's the shape that doesn't work. I agree we are missing, um, you know, two or three. There's two or three areas in the pitch where we clearly do need to improve. But at the same time, then you look at it and you say, well, okay, so how are you are you making the most of what you've got? And 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 if you look at, um, take take Brendan Rodgers. Premier League team, for example, he had Mark Gower playing every week in the middle of the park and became the most creative player in Europe. I mean, who'd have thought that when he was playing against us in in, in Division Two, Division Three again for South End? You just you you make the best out of what you've got, and when you're a team with modest finances, I think that's probably been really generous. But if you you haven't got millions to spend, the system need to make the players rather than the players making the system. And I think Russell Martin needs, in his system, world-class players. He needs players, every player needs to be a footballing superstar because there isn't the support. There isn't, we're not playing triangles, we're not playing close off each other, covering each other. When we lose the ball, as Fulton did against Blackburn, where's the where's the support, where's the cover? There isn't one. As these, they've lost the ball, he's run through, to the edge of the box, crossed. Well, he's running in on goal essentially, and he's, he's passed it across, and he's a tap into an open goal. It's too easy after losing the ball to get at us. So every player in a Russell Martin team, whether you are centre half, a centre midfielder, a wing back in particular, by the way, because that is the most demanding role in his system, or a striker, you need to be a footballing superstar. And so going back to your question, it's a massive flaw in the system because. If you have, if you if you are able to support each other and play as a team, what's what's the saying? Um, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So I think you paraphrase that. But yes, if you have a team that works for each other and works with each other, that can win games. But when you need to have eleven superstars on the pitch just to get a result, and all of them need to put in eight point five out of ten performances, that is a massive problem. Because when we win football matches, we come out to there and go, I can't think of a player who's had a bad game. Well, it's just as well, because if we do have one or two of bad games, we lose games. And that's a problem. So it does need to change. He does need personnel, but he does need to work in a system which has more support for each other, is is more offering um, cover and offering Options. If I want my midfielders to pick the ball up and have two or three players darting into space in front of him, screaming for the ball, and then the same happening and move the ball quickly with options and have some bravery. Um, so there's lots of issues, but I think if you were to zone in on anyone, I would first look at the manager before I looked at the players because the, the manager is picking the system, he's picking the players in the wrong positions, and that's his problem to solve. Uh, Steve, I've seen a couple of people on social media over the last few days saying, oh, when we get Allen and Cabango into this team, it's going to look different. If we can get a, a right wing back, it's going to look very different. How convinced are you that that's going to have the kind of transformative impact that's going to reverse the trend that's going against Martin at the moment um, in terms of fan support? Well, I think Joe Allen obviously will help. I mean, Fulton gave away the goal quite badly at the first goal on against Blackburn at the weekend. I mean, Joe is definitely better than him, isn't he? Um, so that, that will help. Um, I think the problem that we, we've got, really, is 
still just there's no pace in the team, is there? So that, that wing back issue really is so important. We we're crying out for it. I mean, I think a bangle will will make a difference um, as well. But the wing back thing is the big thing. We're still going to be, you know, would Joe Allen have made a, a huge difference at the weekend? Who camped in their half? I think he would look to play more risky passes on occasions, but. I mean, I don't. I don't think he'd have given the ball away as Fulton did for the first goal, maybe. But you know that just the, the lack of imagination at times. I think you know, and the lack of pace still be there. That's the problem. So it will help, but I don't think he's the answer to our prayers at this moment in time because of the other issues in the team. I think if we then get, I think if we get everything together, I think then it's different, and everyone will become. You know, a, a key part of the side, and it'll, it will work so much better, as Matt was saying. You know, the greater than the sum of its parts. But you know, the, I think I, I honestly think, to be honest, if they don't bring in a wing back, Martin will not make the next transfer window. Uh, I I think it is that important now, to be honest. With you. Like they they have to do it because he's not going to change. I think we've seen enough to say that this is the way that he wants to play, and he shoehorns players into positions to make it to try and make it work, even if those players are out of position and don't suit it, he's not changing. So they have to back him to the point where, I'm not saying they need to go stupid, but they have to get a right wing back in on loan, at least. They've got to do something, because if they don't, these results, I'm not saying we're going to take pace things, but I'm going to struggle to see us hurting teams. I mean, if we still had Christie on one side and Wolf on the other that we had from the end of last season, I, just, I think we'd be a lot better right now. I think that goes without saying, doesn't it? Because we have brought in a couple of defenders and obviously Joe Allen then. We would have the makings of a decent team, I think, but we don't have those two players and we didn't replace them. I mean, I think it's a, a good point now to say about Christie, really. I mean, why didn't we do that deal? Because I can't say that I was desperate to get him in, but we're crying out for him now because we, we are desperate. We've got to, we have to sign the wing back. All, all the talk is that it's down to wages and that, Christie's wages aren't, you know, in line in line with ours, and, and maybe, but he still doesn't have a club, does he? So maybe we need to revisit it. Listen, listen, there is still more realistic, doesn't he? There are still three weeks remaining of the transfer window. That that's the position we're in as a club, but that of course can can lead to outgoings as well as as incomings. Um, I mean, Matt, obviously, I don't think anybody. If you're advocating actually sacking Martin after two league games, I think you're being a bit ridiculous, if I'm being honest. Whatever your doubts about him, I think you, a serious club does not sack a manager after two um, after two league games. I think that would reflect <laughs> much worse on the club than it would on, um, on, on the manager, really, if we were to sack um, Martin at this stage. But um, how long... You know, does does Martin have to? And well, more than more than that, do you think Martin is going to turn this around? Do you have faith that Martin is actually going to be able and is capable of changing the minds of of those who have have turned against him and of kind of settling any uneasiness within the fan base who are getting a bit jittery about him at the moment? Ultimately, no, not entirely for his fault, but I don't think we're going to be able to support him enough to for his system to work. Um, I don't think we're going to... Steve said we need at least a right-back. For me, we need four. <laughs> we need two right-backs and two left-backs because we saw what happened when we had Ethan Ledger. We talked about Ethan Ledger a bit towards, uh, towards in the mid-season break as well. Um, we had him here. 
and he was a massively positive influence in the first four or five weeks and he was a great asset to have um but he went through a burnout phase we we all we did was give him the ball and they right, go on and get us up the pitch so if we had two pacey right backs and two pacey left backs and we could rotate them in and out that system would hopefully carry us through a grueling campaign because you'd be able to rest players to recharge their batteries and and, and alleviate the threat of burnout but um see that this is going back to what i'm saying again about needing this high quality deep squad for this system to work and how far do you push that then before you think maybe rather than us having to get a squad of you know 35 first teamers and you know spending millions to to get these quality players in each position maybe we just need to start looking at how we're playing football um and and once the naysayers are have got their mindset yes you can quieten them down with a good run but it only takes a couple of defeats then and they're rushing out of the woodwork um uh, I don't think we're going to be able to support him in truth to to keep him and keep his system working. We could we 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 could probably get a couple of results in um, if if we do get the the right players in. But the system as well is is still so flawed for me. I think I'm not sure. Steve, I think Steve thinks World Cup. He gets at least until the World Cup break. It makes sense, right? Because you've got that break then where teams will reevaluate and look at where they're at um, to see if they need to make any changes before the football reconvenes. He would also, for me, need to pick up a few results in that time if he's going to last that long. Because otherwise, like I said, if he loses and has the performance of the first couple of games in the next three or four, it's going to be nasty at the stadium. And that only goes one way. Once that starts you know you're you're a dead man walking you really are the fans start chanting out and stuff like that the players heads drop the performances get worse more fans jump on it we've seen it a hundred times before Gitto, and it never ends well for the manager yeah and and i'm aware as well there may be some of you listening thinking well this doesn't help the fact that we're all talking about this yeah it, it doesn't it really doesn't we're probably contributing to that even though you know none of us i think are, are, are implicitly marking out or anything from my point of view you we know, have I, to talk about it though because so many people are we, you can't not address it can you that's the that's, that's the problem but like i said we probably are adding fuel to the fire yeah. but look i mean he's got to be given a reasonable amount of time isn't he i mean i, I think he he will get to the world cup i think the world cup it's such a window of opportunity for the clubs in the top two divisions now to sort of, you know, make a change, especially in our division. But you think because there won't be many people at the World Cup, so it's a good chance to to reset. So I think it'll work one of a couple of ways, really. I mean, Sinner gets to like mid to late October and he's under real pressure. They might think, well, may as well give him another game or two because there's a break coming anyway. Or if people are, are beginning to come under pressure, they might panic because of the opportunity that the World Cup offers. So, you know, I mean... Obviously, if he was to go on a really bad losing run, he would never get that far. But we've got to be realistic as well, yeah. Can we afford to sack him? That, that's the other problem. He's on, you know, he's got close to two years left to run in the contract. I mean, they're really not going to want to sack him unless they feel that we're in serious danger of relegation. I would say at this stage. I mean, I think in a year's time, it's a bit different when you know, we've got under a year left on a contract. You probably would do it then because you'd be getting to the point anyway where you'd think either about extending it or, you know, um. Are, are you going to see the season out or anything like that? But 
I think in our current financial situation, you know, he, I think he's fairly safe for now unless we go on a horrendous run um, and they have to act. But I think that's I think that's my point is is that there are 19 games between now and then. That's a lot of games between now and the World Cup. You know. Oh, there is. I think maybe another way of looking there is there is an international break in late September. And I think by that point, we'd be on about 11 games. That would be a more reasonable, I think, judging at that point. Because the World Cup, you know, it, like I say, they, if it all goes to shit, then that's a long, that's a massive chunk of the season. Well, it's half the season gone. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, it, it can turn quickly. I mean, I think, I think the other frustrating thing is, I mean, me and Matt, me and you have spoken to this, and we Rotherham and Blackburn are not the hardest fixtures. So to have not played great and have one point, that isn't brilliant either. And you're looking then, Blackpool next, they weren't great last year. And then I think it's Millwall and another home game with, I think, Luton then. But, you know, they, they were good last year. I mean, if you get to that point where you've had those two home games and there hasn't been a win, there is pressure then. He won't go when I don't think he should, but it doesn't look good. And then it becomes trickier games. There's like, there's a back-to-back away games then, for example. So mm-hmm. sometimes you just need that win, didn't you? I remember last year we went to Bristol City which was the fourth game. We hadn't played great before that, and obviously we only had one point on the board, but we just got that win. And sometimes you just need that win. just quietens everyone down. It gets you slightly away from the bottom three and wherever like that, and you're just a little bit more chilled. And that's what we, we need, arguably. Maybe we just need to steal a win on Saturday somehow, but no win at Blackpool since 1979. <laughs> I'd like to think we are due, but clearly not a happy hunting ground. No, no, but... I- you know, we'll get on to discuss the next two games, which already look, seem like just quite big games, really, at this even at this very early stage in the season. But before that, we'll just discuss the Oxford match because I think we could have used a win in this game, really. Um, yeah. I've made my views on the League Cup known in the past. I I've, I have a very take it or leave it attitude with the competition, even though you know a lot of people say it gave us our greatest ever moment at Wembley. Um, uh, you know, at this stage of the season, it it really is take it or leave it whether we, you know, whether we win or lose. Um, and usually that would be my my feeling going into a match against League One Oxford on a Tuesday night in August. But I don't know. Before this match, I felt, oh, do you know what? We could really use a win just to calm everybody down, just to kind of settle the nerves after what had happened against Blackburn. And um, very early on in that in that match, Matt, it it seemed like we were going to get that win, but somehow it didn't happen, and it kind of summed up the 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 way things are going against Russell Martin at the moment. Yeah, um, on the face of it, I agree with you. It's a cup game. We've we've changed our squad, and I get when people are saying that. You know, you've got to bear in mind who we play in and who we're playing against and stuff and whatnot. That's fine. I understand it's a cup competition. Take it or leave it. Again, the manner of it, though, I think if we, if you know, we not shown exactly the same frailties that we are showing week in, week out, then you wonder. And I'm not just talking about the goals because the goals themselves were freak. Both of them were absolute freak goals, but the manner in which we have not closed the game out. We haven't managed the game management from this team. I'm not sure I know a Tonsi Titi team in my in my lifetime that is worse at game management than this. 
I mean, how many times have we thrown away healthy leads when the opposition can't even sniff the ball and all of a sudden we've thrown the points away? It just seems to happen so regularly. Um, and, and and that's what's a concern for me is the manner of it. it it's the fact that we haven't used the game and, and, and proven that we have any sort of maturity. And that doesn't matter who you play on the pitch because they're all playing under Russell Martin's training and how they deal with situations and how they deal with circumstances on the pitch and living in that moment. And we've learned nothing. And we've shown again that we can't deal with being in a healthy lead. We can't see games out. Um, so, yeah, I can understand the criticism. I can also understand the fact that you can't be Martin out after Oxford, unless you were kind of half Martin out after Blackburn, because Oxford is a throwaway game. We've made that clear with the with the players we played. Um, but I do understand why it would have pushed people who were already thinking it into coming out and saying it, because that would have been from from me. I can see the correlation between saying, yeah, I wasn't happy after Blackburn, and now I can see that this guy is just going to keep making those same mistakes every week. And, and and those, I'm not saying I'm Martin out, by the way, but I'm saying those people who are would have felt a little bit like it before. And this has just tipped them over the edge. I, I'd i say if if you're if you were kind of oh doubtful about Martin after Blackburn, but Martin out after Oxford, I think you've overreacted to a single result in, in a game which has very little meaning. Um, I think you've got to judge Martin on, on the league games. Um, and obviously, if you're judging him solely on the league games that we've had so far this season, you're going to be pretty critical. Um, but but Oxford shouldn't really be um, steering your, your kind of thought process. Um, I, I found it interesting, Steve. Um, there was I was, again, you know, really taken aback by the um, strength of feeling after the Oxford game on social media. Um, but from what I've gathered from people who were at the Kassam Stadium, the reaction was very different there. The, the players were clapped off the pitch. There wasn't really much visible anger from the roughly 800 people who'd gone there who clearly wouldn't have been impressed by throwing away a two-goal lead and losing on penalties. But there wasn't the same kind of anger and and frustration that we saw on social media. Do you think that's quite telling in any way? Yeah, I mean, it's... I think if you've seen the game... You can always offer a much better opinion, can't you? Because obviously you've seen it with your own eyes. Whereas what the rest of us have seen essentially is we were two up and we've blown it. And obviously that could be quite cold. And, you know, in, in general, you, you see that and you just think, well, this crap's not good enough. But it might not be that simple. I mean, I think where I stand on it is what happens, probably the worst thing that could happen because obviously we've had a record of not being able to see games out and that. We, we didn't need an incident like that. We needed to build some confidence. I think it would have actually been better if we just maybe played okay and just lost 1-0 or something with a scratch team. And you just think, well, it happens then. But to be two up and not, and not one is obviously not great. So, but, I mean, you, a lot of players didn't play today. The likes of Puro and Patterson. I mean, they were left at home. You know, defensively a few plays. And then Joe Allen obviously came on, which is great. That's, that's definitely good news. Um, then a lot of youngsters played and some made their debuts, didn't they? So, you know, I mean... There was a lot of upsets in the cup last night. I mean, I, in general, they're, they're off and are because people just, a lot of the clubs rest people and don't take it seriously. So I really don't think we should be losing our heads with it. But I did roll my eyes a bit and think, well, we really didn't need that, did we? So, you know, that's where I'm at with it. But I, if, like I say, if that has tipped you over the heads with Martin out, then, you know, I, I think that is over the top. I'm, 
I'm not really um, seeing that. You've got to judge it on uh, on the league. But you know, a lot of players played last night that aren't that aren't regulars. I mean, what I think what wasn't wasn't great was the reaction from the manager after the game where he did throw people under the bus. And I'm thinking that's that's not great either, really, is it? I mean, you know, you're not going to gain anybody's confidence by by doing that. And you know, essentially, you need these players on side, don't you? I mean, they could easily down tools now if they think. He's under pressure and boot him out if they're not happy with him. So, you know, I think we have to take collective responsibility really and got to be better at seeing games out to me regardless of who's on the pitch. So it, it's worth it's worth saying as well, because um, while I agree with both your points on this, um we're we're talking down this cup game. This clearly wasn't a small matter for Russell Martin. I mean, we've seen his reaction. He's furious. He's livid. So we might say, oh, it's only a cup game, so throw away game. Let's not pay too much attention to it. Martin's paid attention to it. Martin was livid and he did throw the players under the bus, which was wrong. Um, and there's question marks over whether he's going to stand up and say, you know, I've I done this wrong, I've done that wrong. Um, but, and he hasn't done that. But, Matt, do you think the fact that Martin was seemingly so furious with the result and the way it came about is a sign of how he's feeling right now and and that he's perhaps feeling personal pressure on him after the poor start of the season? Definitely, definitely. And and and, and again, we're, we're saying, you know, don't judge us on the cup game, judge us on the league game. And it's a completely legitimate point. But from his reaction, that tells me Russell Martin went to Oxford and thought, Thank God we got this game now. I can get myself, get that monkey off my back, get the win, a bit of confidence in the team. He's seen us take a healthy two-goal lead, a, a well a well thought-out free kick from Fulton and a, a smart finish from Cullen. Um, and by all accounts, we were in control and not just in the sort of control that we have every game, but in the sort of control where we should have added to it and we should have killed the game off and we missed a, a few good chances to do so. So this was slightly different. So the fact that Martin has reacted so negatively and so furiously tells me that he's got a different viewpoint to maybe what we've got in terms of this was just the cup game. No, this for Russell Martin was a chance to breed confidence in the group, to get his ideas across and reinforce how he wants to play. And he's looking at it, and he's he's livid. So he's probably feeling pressure now. He, you know, um, as I gather, he's deleted his Instagram account. I don't know when that was. I mean, he's had an Instagram account since he's been at the club, but I don't know if it was last night or th- three days ago. But I mean, things like this. This is this is him. You know, he probably admit if things turn around, he probably admit that there was times when he doubted his own process and he would have wondered whether or not he was doing the right thing and and this would be the time that he's referring to because he won't have had a harder time as manager yet um and he really needed that last night and he didn't get it so um whilst we may be downplaying the importance of the fixture make no mistake russell martin that was a massive opportunity missed yeah well on that note let's move on to the next fixture then uh on saturday which Feels like a big one in some way, Steve. But I'll be honest, the fact that from what I can see, most fans going up there don't really care much about the football by this point. They're just looking forward to um, a piss up in Blackpool in 30 degree heat in the middle of August. 
may help him slightly because I, I there's a very good chance that by 3 p.m. the entire crowd is going to be too drunk to know what's going on. Yeah, that's possible. I may well be one of them. I can't deny that. Um, you know, Blackpool in August, tremendous. Can't ask for any more than that, really, can you? And I think a lot of people have probably got the same idea as me. So last time in March was great. I think this will be uh, the same. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, 1979 is the last time we went there and won. I can't say I'm, I'm overly optimistic, but the, the good thing is I think everyone will be just in good spirits about having a, a good trip to uh, the Vegas of the North. So, yeah, that, that's how I'm looking at it. And But look, it would be great to get something, wouldn't it? And, we, and especially to see a performance the way you think, even if we don't win the game, you are far more optimistic and thinking, right, we're back on the right track and I feel more optimistic now about the next game or the games after or anything like that because I think that's part of the problem isn't it when you see a, a combination of poor performance poor results you're then thinking well where, where are we going what direction are we going in and you know we, we certainly need we need something Saturday even if it's not a result we need a performance I think that gives us more hope or just if we can just get a result you might think right well we're off and running it lifts a little bit of the pressure and we can go into the next games now knowing that we we've got some points on the board so I think that's what what we need. We, I don't want to see a repeat of last year where we've conceded from a soft corner and then we have pissed around at it and offered barely anything going forward. Uh, I think if you, if that happens, a pissed up away end is not going to respond very well to that. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, um, just um, for those of you who are going, the forecast according to the BBC website at the moment is for non-stop sunshine, 29 degree heat. Uh, which is actually hotter than it was in Valencia back in 2013 when we played out there and um, in what many people consider to be the ultimate Swans away day. So, uh, I mean, Matt, if I mean, if the Swans can get a win up in Blackpool, uh, it's not, as Steve said, it's not something we've done since the 1970s. And we've had some some shocking days there, including um, from a footballing point of view last season where we, we just didn't turn up really and didn't didn't harm them in any way. Um, I mean, if we can get a win there, at this stage of the season, it could have the same kind of effect on morale and positivity that the away game in, in Bristol City had at the start of last season, which was another, you know, just a fantastic away trip with a massive following, very, very drunk fans um, enjoying a great away day. And it, it kind of just settled everyone down and and got everybody a little bit calmer, really. Um, there is the potential for that as well, isn't there? Yeah, he does. He needs he needs the he needs one of two things. I think Steve's spot on. He, you know, he needs either the result, just the like he was annoyed after the Bristol City game, but the fans were happy and that helped him in ways he probably didn't acknowledge at the time. Because whilst he thought we this was the worst performance we put in, the fans needed to see something they could cheer about. They got it. So he bought himself some time to work on the things he thought we needed to work on. So he either needs a result which was a bit scrappy or he needs a performance that he can go away proud of and the fans can come away and go, do you know what? If we play like that every week, then we've got no issues. And 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 so he needs one or the other. If he gets both, then it's dreamland. But um, I think that's a bit greedy of me to ask for for both. I think we can we can come away from there if we start 
look, if if we pepper Blackpool's goal and we start zipping the ball about and and we're hitting shots in not just from long range, but we're also getting in behind them and getting chances on goal. And they beat us 2-0, two counter-attack goals, which are really unfortunate from our point of view, then so be it. But if we can't, if we perform like we did against Blackburn and in parts against Rotherham, where we struggle to put any pressure on them and threaten them, but every time they turn us over, they're in on goal, then um, then there are going to be people who are going to be annoyed. So I think if he if he um, if he gets a result or a performance, it's going to be huge. Um, and I do agree that it's a pressure pressure week, pressure fortnight. And and going back to my very early point in this podcast about people being perhaps a little bit too, not naive, but not really looking at the bigger picture when they say 10, 15 games, because let's take each game as it comes. Because if we keep getting the performances we're getting, it's not going to go that far, I'm sorry, but it's going to be come to a head with the fans furious before that, before the internet, before the World Cup. So... We need to see one or the other. And I think every game, until we get that, every game is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So something has to give. Um, so Blackpool, Blackpool sorry, is going to be the first step there. That is the one where we look at it and go, here's our first opportunity to right the wrongs. And we take it from there. But I'm, I'm almost at this point now, because of my earlier concerns about the system, I'm almost at this point now wanting to see a change there more than a result because I need us to see that we can't just pull out a freak result out of the bag. I want us to see something that we could work with going forward because ultimately that's what it's about, isn't it? Steve, do you think Blackburn are a good team to play against? I know we've got a poor record against them, but they've had they've won one, lost one so far this season. They weren't great against Stoke by uh, by all accounts. Um they've had a difficult summer. They've obviously lost Neil Critchley who they absolutely love. They've got Michael Appleton back um as their new boss in the transfer market. Um probably you know, they haven't lost as many big players as they um they may have expected. I mean Josh Bowl is still there, which is a massive massive one for them. Maybe one they they possibly didn't expect that the um, the end of last season to still be around, but in terms of players they brought in, it's you know youngsters on loan, um, pretty much um, players like Theo Cobiano, who is decent. Reese Williams, isn't there? Reese Williams is there. Yes, a player who we know very well. Maybe um, maybe inter- maybe you know it'll be interesting to see how he does at Blackpool to see whether. It was um, more if it was just a bad fit at the Swans, or you know, were were the signs, you know, pretty indicative of his uh, ability at this level. We'll see. But I mean, Steve, they're not the kind of team that you'd look at and say, oh, they're going to be up there at the the top end of the table. They're going through a bit of a transition managerially. Not really sure where they're going to be yet. Haven't brought in a ton of new players. Is there a chance that this is a, a you know not a bad game? Uh, I feel though like I am repeating a lot of the points that I made when we before we played Rotherham and we couldn't beat them. Well, I do think if things were to click and we we played well, we'd have a great chance of winning because I don't think they are a brilliant side, but I'm not convinced things are going to click and we're going to play well. So that's what what concerns me, and I'm I'm not sure we can we're not brilliant either and nicking games maybe if we don't play great. So I mean. I, I can't look. I'm, I'm not overly optimistic. That, that I think that's the the short answer. I mean, as you say, 
Josh Bowler was someone I was going to discuss because I was quite impressed with him when he played against us last season. Um, this is it's going to be tricky. It's you know I think we need the fans on side. We need them. We need to get behind them. I'm sure they will at the start, and especially um, as long as everyone's not too hungover. But look, I'm I'm not confident. I I'd be lying if uh, if I said I was. And I think also the fact that our record there isn't very good that that doesn't bode well either. So look, we'll. We'll see. I, I wouldn't turn down the draw, put it that way. Mm. What about you, Matt? Would would you take a draw away at Blackpool at the moment? Or do you think that that would still keep the pressure on the team and, and do little to alleviate the mood? I think it just like I say earlier, it depends on the performance. You know, if we if we perform, um then then the result may not be the be all and end all. I know everyone wants to get us climbing up the table, but we brought Russell Martin in for a reason. That was to get us back to the sort of football we could be proud of. And so, I mean, there are other managers. The manager we had before him was a more results-based manager. So we, we, you'd look at it and say, well, OK, well, if we go into bring a manager in who's maybe take us a bit longer but get us back to playing the way you want to play, then ultimately that's what you want to see, isn't it? And and so for me, a draw isn't here or there. It's not a terrible result if we play the sort of football that we can be proud of. Um, and that is that is the thing that's been lacking and that is the thing that's been most frustrating is, to be blunt, I'm not enjoying it. I think it's boring. I think it's largely quite negative. There's no adventure. There's no aggression in our attacks. There's no purpose. There's no excitement. Um, and it's not really what we signed up for, if I'm honest. I, I disagree with you there, Matt, in terms of negativity, because I think one of the problems is it, it looks negative just because the, it it doesn't really work in breaking down teams uh, at the moment because it's not really clicking speedily as it should. Um, I think the intent is quite is reasonably positive. And, and you can see, but you know, we're not sitting back in any way. I'd like it if we were a bit more cautious at the back, if I'm being honest. I'd like it if we were a little bit more attentive and a little bit more well-organised at the back. That would that would help us out quite a bit, if I'm being honest, because it would take a bit of pressure off the front players. Um, I just think it's it's the fact that the system's not working rather than any kind of intent. That's, I mean, I could be wrong, but that's my impression from looking at the system. I don't think Russell Martin is trying to be kind of ultra cautious and and not taking any risks I just don't think the way we're playing enables us to break down teams and that's that's where the problem lies from my well in my opinion yeah that's fair I I I don't you know I don't discount your opinion you know in your your eyes I mean when you're seeing it I do see exactly what you're saying I mean the defense is it could do with being more cautious and and I had this conversation with my mates and and some agree some disagree but I want my defenders to defend first and foremost. Our best defences that contained the likes of Ashley Williams and, and Angel Rangel, great as they were going forward and great as, and positive as they were on the ball, first and foremost, they were really good defenders. And I think that's what you need to get to first of all, get your defenders defending and, and, and making sure that we don't concede stupid goals. And then when we get the ball up the pitch, then that's when you need your adventure. And that's where I was talking about being a bit negative, being a bit ultra cautious is we get the ball and rather than try that ball that may not come off, there's a easy five yard pass there that we're going to make inside instead. So I'd like to see that aggression from the midfield 
getting the ball to our strikers earlier whilst the team is out of position and not regrouped and sat eight men behind the ball because I know Russell Martin said after the Blackman game it's hard because they put 10 men behind the ball every team is going to do that away from home every team they're always going to do it and if that is a problem for you then that is a real issue because you're going to have to find a way to get in behind that and that is quick transitions when you win the ball back, you go at them before they can regroup. And that's something I think we've lacked. So that was my point about negativity. I'd agree. The defenders need to perhaps be less positive in terms of their movement and positioning. Upfield is where I want us to see us be a bit braver, I suppose. Yeah, and we, we'll get on to talk about a team that's um, notorious, really, for sitting quite deep and hitting on the counter-attack in um, in Millwall. Uh, maybe not hitting on the counter-attack, but definitely sitting deep. But before, before we get to talk about next week's midweek game, let's get a few predictions. I'm scared to ask, really, but Steve, you've said already you're not confident. What do you think the score is going to be at Bloomfield Road? Uh, my prediction record isn't very good in general, so naturally I'm going to have to say a 1-0 Blackpool. There we go. And uh, Matt, I, I I assume you uh, won't be much more positive than Steve. Um, I don't know. I I, I he was really angry last night. <laughs> he was really angry. <laughs> if he doesn't do anything and change something for this weekend, then I don't know what's going on because I think he knows at this point, like you say, we're we'll pressure. Um, so if he does. You know, and, and and inject some new faces, and perhaps and maybe try and um, try something a little different. Then um, then who knows? It's a lottery. But if we play, if we select the same team, and um, and it, it, you know, it, we'll expect the same results. So yeah, they'll. I I, I think the best we probably for judging on is, is is that one or draw. Steve said. I think I'll go with that. Yeah, I'm. Um... I've got, I've got to agree with Steve. I think this is 1-0 Blackpool written all over it, really. Um, another game where we'll have vast majority of the ball. Um, but but I think Blackpool, with Josh Bolham more than anything else, that, that's a player who's ideally set up to, to harm us on the break, get the ball to him. He's lightning fast, um, loves a dribble. I can just see him terrifying our back line. You, you know, when you've got Darling Norton... 20 yards apart you know not sure what what on earth you know the back backtracking not not sure what to do against him you can just see him having having fun against us um i'm yeah scared about the potential damage he can he can make i don't think blackburn uh, blackpool sorry are a brilliant team but i don't um but i didn't really think that about rotherham and blackburn either i just the way we've been playing recently yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can really see things turning around that quickly, unfortunately. But I'm hope I'm hoping them wrong. Um, it is very early in the season and things can change very, very quickly at this stage of the season. So I'm hoping um, that I'm wrong and it turns out to be an amazing away day for everybody that's going up to uh, up to the, up to the north of England to uh, Lancashire to watch that match. Uh, and, and I hope it's it gives us a result that just calms things down a little bit and and revives a bit of sanity within the fan base and and just allows us to breathe a bit more easily and um, focus focus our attentions a bit more meaningfully from now on. Um, but, uh, as, well, if our predictions are correct, then the Swans 
don't pick up a win at Blackpool, uh, there will be even more pressure going into the game against Millwall um, at the Liberty in next week. Um, Steve, just looking at Millwall, the things we've been saying about Blackburn, the way they sat deep and just, you know, organised themselves and frustrated us and then hurt us with the very few chances they have. Um, from from everything we know about Millwall, that, that sounds like them, really. Uh, and that makes me a little bit scared, I'll be honest. Uh, that That is Gary Rowett, isn't it? Uh, at every club that he's been at, I think, is... His teams are organised. They're they're difficult to break down, and they look to take what they can get on the break. But I mean, first and foremost, their their thoughts will be clean sheet, won't it? Um, yeah, not not a great opponent for us when obviously we have struggled against those type of sides. So yeah, it yeah that one does concern me a bit. And it's not one that I would handpick. It's probably a, a good example of it. Although I don't think they are a brilliant team. I think. They are probably the type of one where if you score early against them, it's a completely different game. And then they're in a bit of trouble because their game plan is is out of the window, isn't it? So, but yeah, I'd, I'd rather not face Millwall. I think they're, the way that they'll set themselves up is will not make things easy for us. And you know, like I said, we, we don't have the pace to get in behind, do we? Because we've discussed it now all night. So not, not, not a great fixture for us potentially. And Unless we can, if we can win Saturday, we might be going into it on a bit of a high, but we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Yeah, Matt, Millwall have won one game uh, on the opening day against Stoke. I think there are similarities you can draw between us and Stoke at the moment. Um, God, that's the first time in all 15 years you've said that. <laughs> you know <laughs> things are bad. We got to that point. It's all things are getting bad. We're now comparing ourselves to things. <laughs> <laughs> one of the probably the top five clubs I don't like. Oh my god, it is grim, isn't it? Oh my god, if if we're still in this kind of state when we play them in a couple of weeks' time, oh, it could be some. <laughs> I can tell you one thing: I definitely will not be going to Stoke on a Wednesday night. Joe, you know I was considering it. I must be absolutely mad. Um, but I, I, they beat Stoke uh, Millwall on the opening day. Um, two goals from set pieces. Uh, and then against Sheffield United um, in the following game, they really didn't get much of a sniff um, through the entire match and, and lost 2-0. Um, I, I just think they are a team that's quite limited on the face of it, but a team that is ideally set up to come to the Liberty, be organised and just say, Joe, what we'll play for a draw, and if we can get a win from a set piece or something, then great. And that is the kind of team that is bound to wind our fans up and and in the mood that our home fans in particular are in at the moment, just does, just create this atmosphere which wouldn't really help the situation if we're being honest. No, um, they're not. I wouldn't uh, not necessarily judge Millwall about the result against Chef uh, against Sheffield. I think Sheffield United are excellent. I think they'll probably be up there or thereabouts um, this season. Um, they they go going to cause us difficulties, not by being in our faces, but just allowing us to do what we did. And I think that's going to become a a, a running theme uh, unless we can find an answer to that problem. It writes its tactics for the opposition. And I think when it comes to a Gary Rowe team, it's how he defaults to play anyway. So he's going to be his bread and butter. You know, he's going to say same again. This is the sort of team that this will work against. Um, 
So we need to find an answer for that. Uh, can't imagine that a lot of people coming from uh, West Wales and, and, and beyond and stuff are going to be making the trek to the Liberty if we have another poor performance and result against Black, Blackpool because it is a Tuesday night game and people are going to go, well, well, do you know what? I'm just not going to be waste all that fuel, especially with the cost of it at the moment and, and waste my energy going down there on a, on a Tuesday night when I've got to rush home from work, maybe take a half day in some instances. It's probably not worth doing. So um, it's going to have an effect. So Millwall will, will thrive on those sorts of things. We need to make sure that we set ourselves up as best we can. Um, and it is going to be, as I said a little earlier on, it's going to be a cumulative effect. The first game, the most important game for the rest of the season right now is Blackpool. And if it doesn't go well then, then it is Millwall. And it is really going to build up and build up and build up. And then you'll hear the discontent and you see the fans staying away and stuff like that. So the earlier we can nip it in the bud, the better. And I almost don't want to play at home at the moment whilst things aren't going well because you can hear it. You can hear the murmurs in the crowd. You can hear it. And when you're in a away game, the players can probably hear the home fans more than the away fans. So it's going to be um, more drowned out in that case. But I, I do worry a little bit about how things will go against Millwall if we uh, if we have a poor game um, on Saturday, you know? And do you know what, Steve? For that reason, I think Millwall is um, a, a much bigger game, if I'm being honest, than the Blackpool game. Um, if if we fail up at Blackpool, it'll be away fans there. You know, not a minority in the stands. There may be a few that, that turn nasty, but it, it will be a minority. Whereas, if if things get bad down at the Liberty, mm. that's a difficult atmosphere. Then that's a really really difficult place to play when the fans aren't really on your side and when the fans are getting on your back and we know the Swans fans can be really impatient and can be it, when things aren't going well we can we can turn and be assholes let's face it um and I just sense that this is ripe for an absolutely stinking atmosphere um with play fans are on players backs that worsens the performance the performance then in turn worsens the atmosphere again and I can just it's it's for me the script is written for it to be a really miserable night and I'm just hoping that we can kind of defy that script um, and and kind of get well get, turn things around really but but I just fear what the atmosphere is going to be like against a team like Millwall. Yeah, that that is a bit concerning, isn't it? And, and let's be honest as well, like the midweek ones never have the nicer atmospheres today because. You know, a Saturday is more of a, a day out, isn't it? Whereas a, a midweek is the rush from work. You know, no one's as inspired today, and the walk-up crowds are never as good because you can, you know, you can watch on the red button and all that type of thing. So, yeah, it's not. It it, it is one that, that could turn ugly. I, I I can see what you're saying. It's you know, and nobody wants that ever, and they certainly don't want that in August. Let's be honest, because it's a long season. So. Yeah, that the Millwall game is bigger than the Blackpool one. I think at, at this stage, I mean, unless we do go to Blackpool and win, I mean that will lift the pressure on it. But if we don't, then Blackpool and then biggest Luton the one after. I mean, two home games there. We are thinking, Christ, we don't win one of them. Looks horrible, doesn't it? And people will hark back to last season where I think we didn't win in the last six or something. You're edging towards double figures then without a win. It, it doesn't look good, does it? 
No, no, and it does feel like a bit of a rut, even though we're only two games into the season, which is um, which is mad, and you know, but but that's that's the tone that's been set at the moment, like it or not. I think that's that's the way uh, a lot of fans are feeling at the moment, and if we don't get a win in the in the next two games, that feeling is only going to get worse. So we're going to finish off with another prediction, Steve uh, Millwall. What are you thinking? I'm going to say no, no. So grim, Matt. Oh, (laughs) you're not gonna like this then. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think if we if we don't if we if we play a poor game against Blackpool, I don't think our run ends at home because of what we just discussed with the atmosphere and and play fans getting on players' backs and stuff. I don't think we can end this run at home because we won't. The fans will not give the players the break that they need to, to play their game. That's so you're looking at another few games down the road. And so that is a real great. concern because where's that leave Russell Martin if we go the first five, six games of the season without picking up a win um, and putting in poor, because we will put in poor performances as well. I know we will. And so you just got to look at that. I think Blackpool, that's why I say Blackpool is important because if it gets nasty against Millwall, can you say that we're going to get any sort of result? Realistically, the fans aren't going to put up with it, and the players aren't going to cope. Oh, I, I think if the Blackpool result goes badly, you can expect the same at home against Millwall. I really do. I don't think we turn this around at home. We've seen what the atmosphere's got like, even against Blackburn, the first home game of the season. <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's a concern. This is why I say Blackpool's so important because we can get that monkey off our back and give ourselves an opportunity to build on it. Otherwise, you walk into a cauldron. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe I I'm gonna say I'm gonna depend. I'll say if we say the Blackpool are likely to win on the weekend, I say Millwall might win two 0 down here on Tuesday. Wow. I really can't see the fans giving the players the sort of support they'd need, <laughs> which is really grim. <laughs> it's really grim thought, but it's it's not a happy hunt. You know, we're not a happy place to play at home at the moment we're not really enjoying our football down here are we wow that's uh sorry boys i'm sorry to be that negative about it but you know if it if it goes badly against blackpool uh not looking forward to that tuesday game yeah i don't think the club's marketing department are going to be um <laughs> well, we won't have and then we, we, we'll do a good job to get a walk-up crowd for that game if we play badly against Blackpool so they have yeah. to work overtime anyway I think regardless of what I say uh, let's hope our um, our negative predictions are going to bring them some luck I'm going for a one-all draw which um, um, is actually the most positive result we've we've discussed today um, but I, I, I'm not sure a one-all draw would really alleviate um, the pressure and the 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 just misery really that's um that's just taken over the club in an extremely short space of time. Um, let's just hope that things do settle down quickly because oof, the mood's grim at the moment and uh, the club's not a nice place to be when the mood's like this. Let's just hope that uh, Russell Martin learn some lessons that the team can up their game and that we've got a much happier podcast the next time around. But um, the mood's not been great recently. Hopefully it'll be better next time. Join us then. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Mm-hmm.